Okay, so it's podcast number eight. This week, our guest is Nikki Florio, the founder and organizer of Be Heroic. She had an article that she actually wrote with us back in our first issue back early in June, earlier this year. And Be Heroic, Be Aware, Be Positive, Be Heroic. Joining us here on podcast number eight, Nikki Florio. How are you, Nikki? Thanks for being part of the show. Hi there. Uh, Great. Thank you for having me. Well, let's talk a little bit here and let me get your information up on my ticker um well tell us a little bit about be heroic you 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 got an opportunity to speak earlier in the year nikki with the texas hemp convention and that's how i became aware of your work as a speaker there uh, back in january before things got all covid i wanted to have you on this podcast as this is something new we're doing so introduce yourself and and be heroic so uh my, my background is in is in natural sciences and sustainability and uh I started this project, this particular project, Be Heroic, about six years ago because of the plummeting pollinator populations. We did choose the word bee in Be Heroic because many people are aware of the, the problem with, uh, with bee populations dropping and colony collapse disorder, but they're not generally aware that it's the scope of pollinators. All of the winged and terrestrial insects and birds and bats and small mammals that are pollinating are all going away at a very rapid pace as part of the uh, current mass extinction event. So Be Heroic focuses on the primary reasons behind that that are not generally discussed in mainstream media. So we talk about how it impacts economies and the environment, and we also talk about ways to help save them. And certain industries are very valuable in preserving pollinators, supporting pollinator populations, and, and hemp is one of them not in a manner uh, as a food source for pollinators, even though some bees and other animals will take the, the pollen from hemp. But in the industry itself, it's one of the most extraordinary ways to, to get rid of the, the, the other industries that are detrimental. Well, you have done presentations, you do events, you have projects. You were telling me about, a, I think, a documentary film that you guys are working on. Is that, is that something you're still getting funding for? Well, we are we're seeking funding for pandemic and pollinators documentary, but uh, we don't have that yet. So we're working on a currently working on a uh, just a series, a basic series. Well, I have your website up, beheroic.com, and can you just tell us, um, you know, one of the subjects that you like to get in, into a lot and, and was featured in the June issue of the Texas Hemp Reporter was the this geoengineering aspect uh, and what it's doing to climate, what it's affecting crops. Can you uh, explain uh, your take on this? People don't talk about what this geoengineering program is that's going on over our head. And and I'll, I'll tell you a little about, about my, my day here in uh, Round Rock, Texas, because they we had uh, we had a lot of activity of that over here today, too. So I, I kind of will let you uh, speak to that. Yeah. So um, when when I when I stated earlier that there are that there are issues surrounding pollinator losses that that are not addressed in mainstream media geoengineering is one of them so we focus on our project focuses on exposing a, a set of different types of technologies and those technologies are agrochemical and also smart farming 5G uh, which is fifth generation telecom and part of the IoT or internet of things and then of course geoengineering and geoengineering is the kind of setting the foundation for the other two technologies. Geoengineering is is known by people who are serious about learning about climate and weather 
but it's also got a bad rap in media. People think it's a conspiracy theory, and it's absolutely not. It's um, it's uh, it's a very real thing. Um, Oxford's uh, University Geoengineering Program defines it as uh, deliberate large-scale intervention in Earth's natural systems to counteract climate change, and they are of course part of the Royal Society and a group of science foundations supported by by governments and military that do research and development in geoengineering. And and there are different types of technologies in geoengineering. The most visible are the aerosol projects where aerosols are, are emitted from planes. And people think that these are simply contrails or condensation trails. But those trails that the geoengineering projects that are occurring now are coming from the aerosol projects. They're coming from nozzles mounted in, on, and around the wings and in the fuselage and um, in the tail. Right. And and uh, normal condensation trails need specific types of, of elements to occur. You, you have to have the right engine type, first of all, one that's going to create a condensation trail. And then it has to be minus 40 degrees at uh, around 70% humidity, above 30,000 feet or 38,000 feet, et cetera. So when you see those trails crisscrossing the sky in the middle of the summer and you're in the Las Vegas desert, you know that that's not a natural condensation trail. Now, those, those trails are part of under research and development for science foundations, the two types of focus, both focuses in geoengineering. One is one is called solar radiation management, or mm-hmm. SRM mm-hmm. for short. And SRM is, is reflecting sunlight, finding ways to reflect sunlight back into the atmosphere. And then carbon dioxide removal, which is CDR, which is, which is drawing carbon from the atmosphere. And the, these aerosol particulates that they use, the most widely used are, are a combination of metal and chemical particulates, but aluminum, barium, strontium, uh, different carbon black combinations, and then coal fly ash. So those, those aerosol particulates, they're in nano form. And, and a nano particulate is about a billionth of a meter. It's very tiny. Mm-hmm. Um, and because aluminum, it's because these, these aerosols are, are laden with aluminum, they are, they're highly reflective. So, so when you see these planes spraying across the sky, they make these persistent contrails. And in 2017, the American Meteorological Society listed those aerosol contrails as a new cloud type. They're called homogenitus. And they they listed uh, homogenitus, which means man-made. And so these homogenitus clouds, when they make these clouds, uh, these these contrail to cirrus clouds, those particulate are, are very bright, so they reflect the sunlight back into space. But what happens when the sunlight comes through it is in a, in a normal situation with clouds, if the sun goes behind a natural cloud, the, the cloud is dense and it dims the sun. But you've probably noticed that when the sun goes behind these clouds uh, today, these aerosolized clouds, it becomes a blinding blob because those, those aluminum uh, metal particulates are are uh, reflecting the light. So, okay, so, so it's scattering those light particles. So, Nikki, what is the why are they doing this though? What what is the agenda behind it? Is it what is their ultimate well, goal? I know this is there's something sinister to this, I think, but and it gets labeled this chemtrail thing. But you know, you did a article with us in June. You allowed us to print your geoengineering is one of the greatest drivers of anthropogenic climate change, and this was your story that we had featured back in June. And in this story, I have a quote from the Air Force 
owning the weather by 2025, weather as a force multiplier. And I have it on screen here for viewers on Facebook to see, you know, this, this, this article that you wrote, they admit that they're modifying, they're modifying weather. Well, that, that document was written, uh, yeah, in 1996. And Mm -hmm. so it lays out how, how it can be used, how weather can be used as a weapon and, um, the different technologies. So, so we just we just discussed the aerosol technology. But in climate engineering, there's ionospheric heaters and satellite mm-hmm. and laser technologies and ground-based ionizers. And over the oceans, we do what's called ship tracking, which is an aerosolization over the ocean. Yes. And then there's also basic water vapor pollution. But the the objectives we don't, I was talking earlier about science foundations R and D. The other two primary objectives are our military um, for for use in warfare, for for benefiting um, our uh, military and and also for for warfare purposes. And then the third utilization of geoengineering is commercial purposes. There is a, there's a tremendous amount of money in 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 owning the weather, in modifying the weather, and these. These uh, technologies started well over 70 years ago. We've been doing geoengineering for, for years and years and years. And um, what happens is when you engineer systems, you end up causing downstream, quote unquote, downstream uh, impacts. So if you are climate investor, if you're investing in geoengineering and um so you're working with a university like Texas A&M. Texas A&M AgriLife works with works with Texas A&M, and they're funded by Monsanto. So they do weather modification research and development, but it also ends up benefiting Monsanto in the long run. So when they're when they're investing in these projects, um, whether it's cloud seeding or when you use these nanoparticulates, they dry systems out, so they keep the atmospheric river suspended. So if there's a system coming over California and they want to drop the, the water in Texas, they can they can keep a nanoparticulate is small enough to break up cloud condensation nuclei. So they just will spray these uh, systems before they get there. Now, this is all done without the general knowledge or consent of communities or farmers. And how the aerosol particulates, uh, and that's only, we're only talking about one single technology right now, just the, the geoengineering from, from aerosols. Yes, yeah, so we first discussed, Those, you first discussed aerosols before, I understand, and then now this is a little bit more of the geoengineering side of it and the science of it. Yeah, yeah. So okay. so these nanoparticulates, they, they break up the moisture and then you can seed the atmospheric river to make it rain. You can do cloud seeding to make it rain. But those particulates eventually come down. And relative, the, the, these projects are so prolific around the planet that, that RH level, relative humidity levels, have dropped everywhere. Um, so you no longer have the dew that you need on the ground for ecosystems or crops. Um, insects are highly affected by that lack of dew because terrestrial insects, those dew drops that form in the mornings, um, that's a great water source for them as well as other uh, small animals. And, and for insects, for example, honeybees will go two to 10 kilometers uh, a day while they're foraging. And, um, you know, they, they, could, they used to be able to get uh, water on the fly while they were just cruising around, and now they, now they can't. Um, and then for trees, trees have an entire microbiomes on all the leaves that depend on that water, and those are gone. But when the aluminum gets into the ground, uh, into the soils 
um, aluminum and barium and strontium and the other chemicals have huge impacts on the soil uh, microbes and the fungi that's in the soil. Um, and then when the, when the trees and plants try to draw the water, uh, the aluminum disrupts the plant's ability to take up moisture and nutrients. So it causes a tremendous amount of problems with agriculture. And in forests, that aluminum um, becomes an incendiary device. So it causes problems that way. We've also presented to uh, fire agencies. But for farming, uh, aluminum is, is just, aluminum nanoparticulates are, are very bad news. And yeah. there's crossover investors in agrochemical and, uh, and, and geoengineering, for example, um, Bill Gates. And the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, you know, they own a half a million shares of Monsanto. So they're, they're uh, working with Monsanto to develop crops that are aluminum tolerant, um, that as they, as they increase these, these aerosol projects and the sky becomes more and more dim because they're covering it in, in a, in a, uh, in a homogeneous, uh, homogeneous cloud layer, it lets less natural sunlight come through. So Monsanto is also working on clouds that will, or plants that will photosynthesize with less sunlight. But they're not disclosing this to mainstream media. And so farmers don't know a lot of this stuff is happening. And that's just one example of one, one group. And then uh, Bill Gates and Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation are also huge funders of geoengineering. In 2010, he did a massive um, ship tracking project in the Pacific against the wishes of the United Nations. And there is a United me, Nations. Let me yeah. hold you. Let me hold you right there. We're going to take a quick commercial break. Our guest, Nikki Florio, founder and organizer of BeHeroic.com. We'll be right back on the other side of this commercial break. This is the Texas Hemp Show. We'll be right back. Folks, you know, I've gone through a lot of pains over the last 20 years. My knees, my shoulder, and of course, that back of mine. Now, I've tried everything, massages, acupuncture, cryotherapy, and finally, I found something that really works for me. GreenMountainFlower.com, that's the cure. I've been looking all over the place for something that's going to help me feel good, help me sleep good. Green Mountain Flower has the most powerful CBD oil available, and it's unique, and it really works for me and tons of other people. Now, you'll see all kinds of CBD oils in shops all around the place, you know, the convenience stores and gas stations and places like that but none like green mountain flower and green mountain flower has the most nodule cbd oil retailers right here in austin texas it's natural 100 absorption it's water-based and it absorbs into the body easier it's unique and 100 organic formula and it really has worked give a call today to 512-645-0510 talk to gene or elsie and ask about the great products that they have you'll find them on facebook and online at greenmountainflower.com that's a fine-looking box. Thanks. I love it. I wish I had a box like that. You and everyone else. I just can't keep people away from my box. It maintains itself, comes fully assembled, and it doesn't need a bit of help. I just sit back, relax, and watch things grow. Can I touch it? Mm, I like that. The Bloom Box from BC Northern Lights, a self-contained indoor growing chamber. The fast and easy way to grow at home. The Bloom Box from BC Northern Lights. Available at Pacific Northwest Garden Supply. 
Since 1938, TPS Lab has been guiding growers of many different crops around the world to making maximum yields and quality and solving difficult field problems with advanced innovative solutions. Hemp Plan offers the most advanced guidance to industrial hemp growers. The purpose of Hemp Plan is for you to realize the highest quality and yields with minimal THC for your crop's genetics by minimizing plant biotic and abiotic stresses. TPS Lab offers many services and options to the industrial hemp growers. Contact Joe at TPS Labs at 956-383-0739. That's 956-383-0739. That's TPS Lab. You've thought about growing your own tomatoes. You just need to be shown the light. BC Northern Lights, self-contained indoor growing units so you can grow your own tomatoes without cutting holes in your walls or risking a fire. BC Northern Lights takes out the guesswork by giving you the perfect growing environment. The bloom box and the producer come fully assembled, don't need an electrician, and pre-programmed timers do all the work for you. Start growing your own tomatoes today with the bloom box and the producer from BC Northern Lights. Available at Pacific Northwest Garden Supply. The Texas Hemp Reporter. News, trends, culture, health. Mailed to over 1,000 licensed Texas hemp farmers. And 100% free in over 500 locations in Austin, Texas. Subscribe today at TexasHempReporter.com. Now, back to the show with your host, publisher of the Texas Hemp Reporter, Russell Dowden. <laughs> All right, welcome back to the Texas Hemp Show. I'm Russell Dowden, your publisher and editor for the Texas Hemp Reporter magazine, and our guest is Nikki Florio, a founder and organizer, BeHeroic.com. Nikki's been telling us the about some of the geoengineering science that's behind the activity you see every day over your head, and many people don't realize, you know, that some of this the clouds that you see over your head are are not clouds. They're what, Nikki? New cloud types. So they're they're the results of geoengineering. That's right. And today I was coming out of the grocery store. I had to run to the mail uh, post office and mail some letters, and I had to pick up something for my girlfriend, and then take it to the house before coming back to my office. And when I was Getting back into my truck, Nikki, I looked overhead. You know, yes, you could see checked, you know, checkered looking patterns. They're spraying all over the skies of, of north central Austin today in central Texas. I said, Oh, yeah, my guest tonight's Nikki from Be Heroic, and she's going to be talking <laughs> about this. So, hey, this is really, uh, you know, really is going on. Some days I find that here in central Texas, Nikki, that when when the wind is really blowing big time, like we had a, a cold front come in a couple of weeks ago, they don't do this spraying when there's windy days in Texas. Is that is that you think that hinders their effort in doing the spraying? Because it seems like on the windy days, we actually do get a blue sky. It's very clear, crisp air and as we get into the November and late October part of the year. Uh, is is that windy weather uh, bad for this geoengineering program? Uh, no, sometimes it is the result of different uh, types of technologies. So the, the technologies that they use, uh, that, that are used and, and written about in different geoengineering programs, um, have different impacts 
on the weather. So uh, in, in you, you referred to the 1996 document, um, owning the weather in 2025, weather is a force, force multiplier. That just kind of laid out uh, the foundation of the, the technologies that are used uh, today. So with, with, for example, ionospheric heaters, uh, you can raise and lower the ionosphere, and that has impacts on weather. It can it can uh, change the course of atmospheric rivers or create uh, high pressure systems and things like that. But um, all of the there there are so many different uh, entities working on the weather right now that you end up having weather anomalies. This is called inadvertent weather. And in January of this year. Uh, there was a uh, uh, the 22nd conference on planned and inadvertent weather modification, and uh, two years ago I went to the 21st conference on planned and inadvertent weather modification. I think that was in uh, Austin, Texas. But at these at these events, um, these are hosted generally by the AMS, the American Meteorological Society, mm-hmm. and um, at these events uh, there are uh, at, at the conference, there's presentations on on anomalies, things like weather whiplash and extreme weather, extreme winds, um, droughts, uh, hurricanes, things like that. And uh, so when they when they when they have these, sometimes a, a windy day is the result of inadvertent weather modification. Like they may have done a project somewhere else, and it and it had had the effect of well, when I see when I speak to the the fact that there's a windy day, it, you know, there's blue skies. There's not a, there's not a cloud in the sky. There's not a geoengineering cloud in the sky. There's there's no clouds. There's just it's a windy day and there's blue skies, which doesn't happen often in Central Texas with the activity that they do over our our, our area. Um, so it's very seldom that you see a a, a natural natural clouds anymore um, in in Central Texas. It's it's very odd. Well, how, yes, you you rarely see natural clouds anywhere. Yeah. Uh, how does this affect our farmers here in in Texas and around the the globe? These these uh, barium and uh, you know this aluminum that gets into the ground and is it really it's really affecting uh, these farmers? Yes, and farmers can uh, farmers. Can take action, but but when you have when you have uh, anomalous air pressure and you have weather whiplash, these really extreme temperatures, that that causes huge problems. The, the flooding uh, from geoengineering, the the chemicals in the aerosols themselves, the, the barium and uh, strontium, they thin the ozone, so you get a lot more UV. UVB and now UVC radiation, which burns the plants. You've probably noticed all over Texas uh, with your trees that, um, and this is happening globally. Over the past several years, you've had a lot, uh, you've had more and more tree death, and mm-hmm. you have rust, rot, mold, leaf deformation, and discoloration, and that's all from uh, the the uh, impacts on the plants from geoengineering, but the sun itself where trees transpire, where they release moisture at the very top of plants. Uh, the next time you walk outside uh, during the day, look at the plants uh, around, you'll see a lot more plants and it doesn't matter what the tree species is um, because you'll see this happening with maples and alders and aspens and all kinds of different uh, deciduous or leafing uh, trees. Is The top of the plant gets superheated 
um, because the UV radiation is coming through. And so the top of the tree dies, or you'll see a tree that's half alive and half dead. And the tree tries to preserve itself. Um, and what, what happens is, is it starts uh, sprouting either from the base or from the trunk. And uh, that's because it, 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 it's trying to, to retain that moisture and still grow um, in there and within there. So for, so for uh, orchards um, and other crops, uh, that means that, that the plants are going to have more problems fruiting. Uh, they're going to have more problems keeping pests away. Uh, in forests, it, it makes them highly susceptible to uh, beetles. There were, there were extremely heavy uh, geoengineering projects going over Colorado several years ago, and it, and it wiped out all the, the trees' abilities to fight off the beetle. And the scientists, the biologists, and, and, and foresters who did not know about geoengineering were blaming, it on, were blaming the, the deaths on, uh, on the beetle, but the beetle was a symptom, not the cause. With agriculture, it's, it's just a very, very dangerous thing. And every state in, in the U.S. has different laws regarding geoengineering, and then there are also federal laws. And then right before the break, uh, we talked about the international laws. Uh, the international laws for geoengineering are actually not laws. They're, they're in agreements. It's called the, Uni the, the uh, United Nations Environmental Modification Treaty, ENMOD, E-N-M-O-D. And, and anyone can look up that. And yeah. the U.S., uh, can Canada and China don't, don't, haven't agreed to it. So they just do what they want. I'm on the page 5G and the B is it talks about testing, testing, one, two, three, 5G here, bees, birds, bats, and trees. It, what does 5G have a lot have to do? I know that this is a concern and you talk about this too as well. And I, I and you and I were going to do another show, I think sometime uh, another time, but I wanted to ask because we've seen weird things happening in P Pittsburgh where the birds fall out of the sky. And did you read about that a few months ago? Uh, there's yeah. there's things yeah. where the bees are bees are, are are coming up, uh, you know, dying in huge numbers. Birds are falling out of the sky. Is this geoengineering causing this, or are there are these something more related to the Harp project and and that kind of thing? I was just wondering if if you might be a comment on on that recent incident in Pittsburgh where the birds were hitting by the hundreds out of the sky, but they were hitting buildings falling out of the sky by well, the hundreds. Well, uh, 5G is fifth generation telecom, telecommunications technology. And it is nothing like 2, 2G, the second generation through fourth generation. It uses a completely different uh, band of frequencies. It goes uh, from, from um, megahertz to gigahertz. So, so a million pulses a second to a billion, these are very short waves. So they have huge impacts on smaller animals and insects. Um, so for, for, for birds um, and, and different animals have different types of magnetite in their blood that make them more susceptible. They have different uh, ratios of, of uh, water in their, in, in, in their body and their makeup. Um, but uh, those technologies are extremely dangerous. The 5G and the B page uh, discusses a lot of that. Um, with 2 and 4G, those long waves uh, in those towers go, go up to two and a half miles, two to two and a half miles. But with 5G, they only go uh, 100 to about, I, I think, 300 meters. So we added uh, several million more towers mm -hmm. uh, 
over the past few years to set up for 5G. And then everything got fast-tracked this year early on um, with COVID because of of the uh, two, I think it was $2 trillion that was invested in surveillance. Now, 5G is the first generation of telecommunications where we partnered with the military. So there's a lot of testing going on. So the the birds falling out of the sky, that wouldn't be the first time it was associated uh, with 5G or 5G testing. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's been a lot of that happening all over the world with insects. Um, when in, insects fly, fly through these areas, uh, they're wiped out fairly quickly um, within minutes, uh, depending, on the, depending on the distance. Um, I've seen from some of the, the towers down in Sacramento when I was down there last year when they had uh, certain areas turned on in Sacramento. We would go through areas that were completely quiet. Nikki, what's the go name ahead. of the documentary film that you're working on? Do you have a title for that yet? I know you're seeking funding. Oh, we don't. Yes, we, we don't have we don't, we don't have it yet. Uh, we don't have the title yet. <laughs> oh, but but tell me again. Tell me the focus. Oh, the focus is the connection of pollinators to the pandemic. The 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 industries and people behind the the current mass extinction events and and how and why without when pollinators go we will go and what that has to do with the investments and manipulation of media with the pandemic what is your uh, tell tell my listeners again your your degree well i have a degree in natural sciences and uh humanities with a focus on environmental psychology we have a great uh team of researchers and and different scientists and physicians that we work with as well. Well, you're the real deal. And I don't see, it's very, you know, you were speaking at the conference there in Texas. It's, it's this subject is something that uh, farmers know this when they have crops, they, they notice these, th- these results of this, these chemicals in their soils. And it's, it's evident. And I just think that it's all, the work you do is really cool because nobody talks about this from a scientific standpoint so i like printing your articles and having your contribution in the hemp reporter because you, you you've got a take on this that, uh, you, you know i i didn't i don't know the names of these clouds i you know this is really good information so i really appreciate you being a part of the texas hemp show fire off your website or how people can get in touch with you or, or learn more how to contribute to that documentary film and reach nikki florio uh, they can contact me directly if they'd like at BeHeroic, it's two E's, B-E-E-H-E-R-O-I-C at Gmail. They can also contact us through the website, BeHeroic.com. And just to be clear, I don't mean to correct you, Russell, I'm not trying to, but I'm I'm not a scientist. I do research and work with scientists. Okay. Okay. Oh, so. oh, oh well, thank you so much <laughs> no, for no, your time. No, thank you. I appreciate it. And, and we look forward to maybe getting another article from Nikki Florio, the founder and organizer at Be Heroic. Thank you for your time, Nikki. You too. Thanks. All right. Russell, there she bye-bye. goes. Thank you so much. Nikki Florio, BeHeroic.com. And I have enjoyed some of the articles that she's had in the magazine and uh, look forward to having her on another podcast separate from this. But anyway, we'll take a quick break. It's the Texas hemp show. We'll be right back on the other side. 
Folks, you know, I've gone through a lot of pains over the last 20 years. My knees, my shoulder, and, of course, that back of mine. Now, I've tried everything. Massages, acupuncture, cryotherapy, and finally I found something that really works for me. GreenMountainFlower.com, that's the cure. I've been looking all over the place for something that's going to help me feel good, help me sleep good. Green Mountain Flower has the most powerful CBD oil available. And it's unique, and it really works for me and tons of other people. Now, you'll see all kinds of CBD oils in shops all around the place, you know, the convenience stores and gas stations and places like that but none like green mountain flower and green mountain flower has the most nodule cbd oil retailers right here in austin texas it's natural 100 absorption it's water-based and it absorbs into the body easier it's unique and 100 organic formula and it really has worked give a call today to 512-645-0510 talk to gene or elsie and ask about the great products that they have you'll find them on facebook and online at greenmountainflower.com that's a fine looking box thanks i love it i wish i had a box like that you and everyone else i just can't keep people away from my box it maintains itself comes fully assembled and it doesn't need a bit of help i just sit back relax and watch things grow can i touch it mm, i'd like that the bloom box from bc northern lights a self-contained indoor growing chamber the fast and easy way to grow at home the bloom box from bc northern lights available at pacific northwest garden supply since 1938, TPS Lab has been guiding growers of many different crops around the world to making maximum yields and solving difficult field problems with advanced innovative solutions. Hemp Plan offers the most advanced guidance to industrial hemp growers. The purpose of Hemp Plan is for you to realize the highest quality and yields with minimal THC for your crop's genetics by minimizing plant biotic and abiotic stresses. TPS Lab offers many services and options to the industrial hemp grower. Contact Joe at TPS Labs at 956-383-0739. That's 956-383-0739. That's TPS Labs. You've thought about growing your own tomatoes. You just need to be shown the light. BC Northern Lights, self-contained indoor growing units so you can grow your own tomatoes without cutting holes in your walls or risking a fire. BC Northern Lights takes out the guesswork by giving you the perfect growing environment. The bloom box and the producer come fully assembled, don't need an electrician, and pre-programmed timers do all the work for you. Start growing your own tomatoes today with the bloom box and the producer from BC Northern Lights. Available at Pacific Northwest Garden Supply. The Texas Hemp Reporter. News, trends, culture, health. Mailed to over 1,000 licensed Texas hemp farmers. And 100% free in over 500 locations in Austin. Subscribe today at TexasHempReporter.com. Now, back to the show with your host, publisher of the Texas Hemp Reporter, Russell Dowden. <laughs> Welcome back to the Texas Hemp Show. I'm Russell Dowden, your publisher and editor for the Texas Hemp Reporter magazine and host here of the Texas Hemp Show. My co-host, as always, is Jesse Williams of the Texas Cannabis Collective. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to bite my tongue during some of that. It's so anyhow, um, that was very interesting. Uh, on the podcast this week, as I promised, uh, the heroic Nikki Florio, she uh, speaks 
at these very often some of these hemp conventions and she's talks with these farmers these farmers have often come out of the come out to her events and and, and support her because she's got they they can testify to the fact that the things they see in their soils and in uh, their grows so very often Nikki's at these uh, events and and when she spoke over there in Texas hemp convention uh, she had a lot of a lot of support and a lot of interest there so wanted to get her on the show let's see coming up next week who do we have on the program it's not who I had listed I have a slot reserved for Herring Bank but I don't think Sarah Scott from Hemp Doctors is coming on. She can't make that show, so she wanted to reschedule for something next year. So you and I have gotten who? We have collaborated, and I have reached out to Heather Faziel of the Texans for Responsible Marijuana Policy so we can discuss our election results and where we're, what we're going to be looking at going into the upcoming legislative session, which mm-hmm. starts in January of 2021. Very cool. Tell us about the article that you guys had in today on the website. I, I got a really cool email from normal though today was marijuana won the election yeah marijuana ballot measures that's the 2020 election winner across america (laughs) yes so here's our here's your article did you write this or was this i wrote that today okay marijuana ballot measures the 2020 election election winner winner. so montana allowed for legal marijuana arizona arizona had medical and now they have legal And and the thing that the big drastic change that i noted in the article between south dakota and arizona South Dakota had like, it was like a misdemeanor for possession when they legalized. Arizona, though, they had medical, but if you were caught with even like a pipe, you were, you were getting a felony. Like they had charges for paraphernalia. They had charges for, you had a joint, didn't matter if you had a gram mm-hmm. or you had just under like two pounds, you're getting a felony for it. And, and, and so that's a big chain, game changer. Uh, let's see, South Dakota ju- uh, also just legalized both recreational and medical uses of marijuana. And we discussed, we discussed South Dakota like what, like a week or two ago, because South Dakota is one of the only, one of two states, Idaho being the other one, that does not have a hemp program. Yeah, those were the two. We found out making calls for advertisers and some of my sales reps called in the Idaho and quickly found out no, there's no program there in Idaho. And the governor, the, the governor of South Dakota, has been very much against legalization. Like she talked about personal freedom with COVID nineteen, and then turned around and was like, "But no, I don't want you legalizing marijuana in this state." So it's going to be very interesting to see how their legislature tries to handle this when they have another legislative session, given that their voters wanted it, and apparently the governor does not. Well, I. I noticed the. I posted an article on um, Facebook that Oregon legalized like hard oh, drugs. The, 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 like they decriminalize drugs. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's easier to just say they decriminalize <laughs> drugs and try to list them off. And they authorize, they legalize. I believe it's uh, like mushroom therapy, like psychosyllabin therapies. Yeah, this they is legalized that in the state. This is an article that I posted on the Hemp Reporter Facebook this morning, and I didn't quite believe it, but Oregon became the first state to decriminalize hard drugs like heroin, cocaine, and meth in a 59 to 41 vote as of early Wednesday morning, according to the Associated Press. The Drug Addiction Treatment and Recovery Act will transition Oregon's drug policy from a punitive criminal approach to a humane, cost-effective health approach. This is kind of like how they do it in Amsterdam. I want to point out Canada. Canada has recently done this as well. 
and they're seeing tremendous results out of this. Yes, people go, I don't want to see somebody using. I don't want to see some guys shooting up because they provide safe space. They call it the safe space, but it's a space where somebody can actually do this and it's actually reduced the deaths. It's actually gotten more people into treatment to get them off this addiction. And it's it's working out great. And people who've lost loved ones to addiction are, are when they see this program, they see how it functions, they tell you the complete opposite of the prohibitionists. They're like, no, we can't have that. So the real winner is the election so far has been marijuana. And a great article that was also in my inbox today from uh, normal.org that also came in. And so uh, uh, normal proclaiming that, you know, the real winner of the election was marijuana as it's uh, becoming more legal in the United States. Maybe Texas will get there one day, but uh, we're starting this thing with hemp, and that's a good thing. I want to add, I did put at the end of the article, like Texas didn't do anything because Texas does not have ballot initiative. We don't have ballot measure. You have to vote for the people you want to end prohibition in Texas. That is just how this works. And so we have to, how do we get the measures in place? So at this point, because we've elected these individuals already, you will pretty much, as I say, you will have to beg your legislature to say, hey. Well, we're going to go down there and do yeah, that. We're, we we're going to go tell them we, we want this change. But Yeah, uh, other states now have marijuana, and th- this is going to come to Texas. And mm-hmm. they know this, the legislature, and I believe that the it originally was going to be, I heard, the DPS that was going to oversee this marijuana transition in the next few years but i understand that's now well, well, well dps oversees the current compassionate use program and why they're in charge of it i have no clue that makes no sense it's not like department of state health services or our own regulatory commission that just deal with that but there's something everybody that you'll hear in this community tell you is that there's really one person that's blocking this and that's our lieutenant governor dan patrick because he has stopped senate hearings from happening over this he won't send it to, he gets assigned things to committee he doesn't assign it to a committee and the thing now i take it a step further is that the people you elected you will have to ask them to stand up to dan patrick especially in the house well like let's go cuss him out <laughs> well apparently somebody tried that with the shirt and they're trying to ban what you can wear and what you can and can't wear in the capitol now well some of these guys need to be told a thing or two i don't know i don't i don't never get down there and do things like that i, I gotta learn from you and coleman you, you that y'all go down there and tactfully have a, civil discussions with these guys the, the easiest way of saying it now is if you're if they're playing politics somebody somewhere is going to have to hold up something key key legislatively of dan patrick there has to be some priority, something he wants done that they go, hey, you know, we're not letting that go through until you let us have expansion of medical marijuana or we have some form of legal sale. I want to talk about the magazine that we're working on right now. The upcoming edition is the uh, Santa Knows Best Tips for Growers by Old St. Nick. We are currently working on this edition of the December issue. And uh, so some of the articles are coming in for this upcoming publication that we're working on right now and so oh uh, had daniel do a story on how the west coast fires could impact the 2021 cbd hemp market uh this is what's you know there's been a lot of these fires you know over there so it's it's affecting the the hemp grow and marijuana grow uh, largely over there that's a real big uh, issue so this was a story here that we we were featuring. Those just kind of just previewing some of the titles. Tejas Kemp is profiled. But sure, every month we feature different several different growers. This is the first month I think we have two different grow operations. One of my other writers is Mina Hagar. She's doing. She did a story on Tejas Kemp that they just had their 
first harvest, man, over here in Dripping Springs. So they, uh, this was about her going out there and, and hanging out with them. And then uh, farmer's gifts, uh, there's some things there. Uh, what do we got? Oh, this is from our friends over there at the PPS Lab. But we did another grow operation with Taylor Farms uh, in Texas Taylor Farms, and Misty did this. They're a generational family farm based in South Texas that kind of has a holistic approach. So anyway, we're just previewing some of the things that are in here uh, that, that are in the upcoming issue of the Texas Hemp Reporter magazine. And so we'll we'll share a little more with that once the holes get filled there. I got to fill some more ads in that thing, but that's going to be coming up. And... Um, and another shows, uh, let's see here, what do we got on our calendar? I know we said that uh, Heather Fazio from the Texas for Responsible Marijuana Policy will be on on the 10th. And I think we may get a representative from Herring Bank to talk financial aspects with regards to funding hemp and find, you know, you can't find a financial institution too easily. That There's a couple of them that are out there. But it's been tough to get them to advertise. They go a lot of these banks are just we, very. We had an episode where we talked about that. <laughs> yeah, well, we had uh, we we've had uh, these banks that are, want to advertise with us occasionally, and then they just fall back off because they're still well, trying they, to get. They don't want to announce their programs until they're finally ready to do it. And I think twenty twenty one will be a bigger year for you know corporations realizing really want to see more stable regulation going on because like we're having comment periods still with the USDA just to handle DEA issues about processing help. Lisa often writes every month, and this article gets really into this quite long and in-depth, but the hemp industry plaintiffs are also seeking an injunction preventing the DEA from, which is where we're at, forcing the CSA to hemp in progress and waste and from classifying such materials as Schedule 1 substances and 2, preventing the DEA from promulgating any rules relating to the production of hemp. Pretty much the law said the USDA is in charge of this. Yeah. And now the DEA is like, no, we get to make rules too. And no, it's like, no, we want no. to chime in on this. It's like, no, no, you don't. The law does not state that. Stay in your lane. Yeah, so we'll stay in your lane moments. So that's what, uh, this is a great article that, again, a co-chair of the Council for, for the Marijuana Policy here in Texas is uh, Lisa Pittman from Coach Rose. So she does great work. Uh, this article is three pages this month uh, uh, from her, but quite long. And very, very informative. Also goes over legal issues. Of, um, Delta, 8 T, Delta 8 THC is mentioned in the article as well. That's There's right. been a lot of questions about that. So this is at least a good place to start if you're wondering about legal information. Yeah, I think uh, uh, that Delta 8 is a big controversial thing too. Is that how it's intended for that? Is DEA going to get involved in this more? With Good show today with uh, our guest, Nikki Florio. And thank you for, for doing putting up with me and doing this for the eighth time. Eight times we've done this now? Eight times. This is podcast show. We're at eight mile of podcast. <laughs> well, it's fun doing this every week and, and just getting some information out there and getting some guests on. Next week on the program, again, Heather Fazio of Texans for Responsible Marijuana Policy. And if we could get someone on from, I believe we have um, – or I have Leanne listed here, but it's either Leanne or Cindy that's calling in uh, next week as well uh, to talk about uh, the financial aspects and a lot of the legislation and uh, regulation with regards to, to hemp and banking and finance. And we talk often about Vera Leaf. We've had Justin on the program before, and he 
his software team looks to work with banks to keep everybody compliant. So uh, it should be a good show next week with Heather Fazio and then Herring Banks representatives will be talking with us. Thank you again to Nikki Florio from founder and organizer at Be Heroic, who was our guest this week on the show. Jesse, I'll be looking for more articles from you as we watch Marijuana Becomes President. Marijuana for President, 2024. 2024, Marijuana for President. How about that? All right, good show, good stuff, guys. I appreciate the sponsors, and we'll see you guys next week. It's the Texas Hemp Show. Oh, <laughs>